welcome back to the Life Has Purpose podcast. It is great to be back. I'm Ryan Bomberger. And I'm Bethany Bomberger. And we just got to celebrate Mother's Day. We got to celebrate you. Yeah, it was special. Oh, you're special. Well, you made me feel very special. I hold it very close to my heart, and I am extremely grateful that I have a family that loves me and shows their love for me, a husband that adores me, and kids that least tell me that (laughs) you have four kiddos although sometimes you do tell people that you have five well that is only when you're running around the house playing last hit at 9 30 at night when i'm trying to get somebody in bed i i'm just a kid at heart i can't help it Mm. i I just can't help it i know well thank you for loving me too Mm -hmm. Wow. but you know motherhood is being attacked not just motherhood but parenthood in general it's being attacked on every level, from Hollywood, from public schools, the government. And and of course, the attack is heaviest from our nation's leading abortion business, Planned Parenthood. You know, the abortion federation that doesn't mention mom or mother. Or dad or father, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Just throw out the parents out the window, <laughs> even though you're called Planned Parenthood, right? Yeah. So the latest annual report didn't even have any of those terms. In it whatsoever, of course. Right. And then over the weekend, they send out this nauseating Mother's Day email to their followers. Happy Mother's Day to you. This one's for the mothers raising families and moving mountains. The ones who care for kids amid work meetings and pandemic fears, holding us down and lifting us up from safe six foot distance or from 6,000 miles away. This is for the moms on the front lines and the moms in social isolation who know just what to say or which joke to send when it feels like our world's turned upside down today and every day we're here with you i feel like adding except for the times that we're not with you which is most of the time it's ridiculous i mean you want to talk about things that are upside down how about a two billion dollar business abortion business that has killed millions of children and ended millions of women's motherhood to be celebrating a holiday that only those who are born can actually celebrate Mm. it's just tragic i mean they even know this they just send this mess out because they just they know that it invokes a reaction i mean years ago they wanted to change the vernacular and stop using the term pro-choice right right so planned right. parenthood that loves changing our vocabulary but i wonder why why were they trying to change pro-choice and stop using that that term perhaps because they didn't actually believe in offering choices right mm-hmm. only one so-called choice which brings in over $250 million in revenue every year to the nation's taxpayer-funded abortion federation. They didn't always commit abortions. Right, which people don't really know that. Right. They, but that's interesting. Yeah, they, they officially started killing defenseless human mm. beings on July 1st, 1970. Mm. This was Planned Parenthood's affiliate in Syracuse, New York. And that's where they started their abortion business. Right. I mean, if you think about it, even racist um, eugenicist Margaret Sanger, who is the founder of Planned Parenthood, Uh and right, we're going to do a whole show on her in an upcoming episode because it's necessary. But she decried abortion. Uh, In chapter 10 of her book, Women and the New Race, she said, hundreds of thousands of abortions performed in America each year are disgrace to civilization. This is ironic coming from somebody who advocated for involuntary sterilization, hated massive groups of people, and whose legacy then led us to what we know is the world's leading abortion chain, Planned Parenthood. Right. I mean, Planned Parenthood killed 345,672 human lives 
last year, according to their own annual report. So I guess they are the disgrace to civilization that their own founder was talking about. Her thinking is so duplicitous. She just tries to cover each side of every narrative, which is exactly why Planned Parenthood's sending out Mother's Day cards, right? Because their thinking is duplicitous. They're selling lies, peddling it as truth, and just sending mixed messages because they're a hot mixed mess. And really, at the end of the day, they're trying to confuse people. (laughs) so true. To think that they're the savior when actually they're not there to encourage giving life and bringing life into this world. They do the absolute opposite. And the Bible says double-minded people are unstable in all their ways. Amen. It is so true. And that quote from Margaret Sanger was from her book that was written in 1920. So... Here we are. Actually, there was another thing. In the late 1930s, actually, there are lots of things Mm -hmm. showing this whole double-mindedness. But in the late 1930s, there was a Planned Parenthood brochure that was touting the the greatness of birth control, and it was aimed at black Americans, poor black Americans. And so the brochure was entitled, Plan Your Family. And so they're trying in this brochure to defend birth control, and they wanted to differentiate it from abortion. And they were saying, no, it's not the same thing. And so here's a quote from the actual brochure. They, Planned Parenthood declared, quote, abortion kills life after it has begun. Abortion is dangerous to your life and health. That was in 1930. Right. Now, fast forward to 2020, during this coronavirus pandemic panic that the abortion chain must exploit because they can't not. It's like in their DNA. Completely. Mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood has declared over and over again that abortion is essential health (laughs) care. Okay. (laughs) What? If abortion is essential health care, then I don't know. Slavery is essential job care. Boom. (laughs) Come on. I mean, the way that they just pervert language, it's just unbelievable. It is not essential health care. We'll be right back with Life Has Purpose. Life has purpose. They love to tell you, abortion's so good for you. Just pay a fee and get equality. Their fraud's extensive. Their lies defenseless. Their parenthood's been counting for a century. Fake feminism. Fake feminism. Fake feminism. They don't want you to know. Fake feminism. Fake feminism. Fake feminism. All they want is your doubt. This is basic health care. Thousands of women die before Roe every year. We're not political. Planned Parenthood. We're nonpartisan. Planned Parenthood. Fake feminism. Fake feminism. Listen, download, and subscribe at lifehaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. While Planned Parenthood preys on the vulnerable, they exploit every crisis that they can all the time. What do they offer immediately after 9-11 or after Hurricane Katrina? free abortions of course although we know nothing's ever free at planned Mm -hmm. parenthood it's paid for by donors and mostly taxpayer dollars yes our taxpayer dollars up to half a billion a year it's so crazy a lot of people don't remember that they did this after 9-11 that they did this after hurricane katrina they weren't in their rebuilding schools they weren't in their rebuilding houses they weren't in their rebuilding lives they were actually offering to take away more lives i know 
That's what they do. Look, Planned Parenthood is anti-adoption too. Well, unless of course it's gay adoption. How <laughs> but, convenient for yeah. them. But in their tool for educators, they have this fact sheet, which should be called the factless sheet. Mm. But they talk about adoption. They demonize adoption saying this, quote, the psychological responses to abortion are far less serious than those experienced by women bringing their unwanted pregnancy to term and relinquishing the child for adoption, Jeez. end quote. I mean, is it any wonder that they abort 83 lives for every one adoption referral? Mm. I mean, nationwide, less than 2% of women facing unplanned pregnancies choose the option of adoption. But when you got Planned Parenthood demonizing on one hand, the church often not even talking about it on the other hand, I mean, what are people to think? What are those facing the fear and the confusion of an unplanned pregnancy supposed to choose when they're not hearing the positive messages about adoption? Right. And in the end, Planned Parenthood is about pushing their one choice, abortion. They demonize the alternatives or use fear as a tactic um, really to push women into an irreversible decision. They're not helping. They're not even there to provide the help pregnant women need. Prenatal services barely Right? They barely even exist at Planned Parenthood. (laughs) They're less than 0.1% of their services. Planned Parenthood doesn't offer parenting classes or life skill classes like so many pregnancy help centers do. They don't have the mama boutiques, the baby boutiques. And we've seen so many of those over the years as we've visited these different pregnancy care centers across the nation. These help centers they have places where there are all these resources because they truly care. Absolutely. And just want to throw out these resources for people to connect to your local pregnancy resource center. And that's optionline.org and pregnancydecisionline.org. Look, PRCs, pregnancy resource centers, they provide hundreds of thousands of free baby and mama items each year, like clothes, furniture, diapers, formulas, toys, and so much more. We've, We've been inside of these baby boutiques so many times in hundreds of pregnancy centers across the country. And guess what? You will not find a single baby and mama boutique inside of a Planned Parenthood. Never. You know, that's not what they do. Pregnancy centers do all this for free. Right. And they also don't run any of the nation's uh, 450 plus, I think it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. faith-based maternity, maternity homes. homes. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Planned Parenthood's not running maternity homes. No. But yet they're supposedly, you know, this leading women's healthcare provider, and they're all about women's rights. Right. But and yet so when the woman is, Yeah, they're so essential that when the woman is pregnant, what do they offer her? Mm. Nothing. No. They're not needed. They're beyond non-essential. They're not needed. They offer death. And death in situations that actually need more life and more hope and more help. And as an adoptive mama, I know the role we can play in bringing hope into a desperate situation. I'm so grateful to our youngest son's birth mama. She could have chosen abortion Mm -hmm. and we would never have known the love and the absolute joy of being Justice's parents. I can't even imagine. No. And you know, we are firm believers in a God who transforms. Mm. And so for those who have chosen abortion, look, you are loved. Yes. There is help. There is post-abortive counseling that's available at these pregnancy centers. Look, we love you. We are not condemning you. But we are exposing an industry that preys on people at their most vulnerable state. I try to imagine my, my son's birth mom just having the what if questions what right. if you know what if i i hadn't chosen abortion what if he were alive what what would he be like what if i had gotten help no one has to ask those questions right 
and we just, we cherish birth moms and we don't say that lightly. We share, cherish birth parents. They're often the forgotten part in the adoption triad. And it's why we started our Sally's Lambs outreach to birth moms who have chosen to place their children for adoption. And you could visit us at sallyslambs.org, but you know, we can't do what so many other people people are doing. I love abiding love adoptions because their heart is for the birth mom. There are birth mom caseworkers across the nation that are working hard to create powerful support groups to walk birth mamas and the dads through um, the very difficult decision, but the very courageous decision of, of choosing to place their children for adoption. And I know that we can't do all of the things that we wish we could because of our bandwidth, because of our ability to really meet all the needs at the level that they need to be met. But we can do what we can do. And what we've been able to do through Sally's Lambs is run um, maternity clothing drives and collect gently used maternity clothes and send that out to maternity homes across the nation. We've been able to do something. It's one of my favorite parts of my entire year and our and, and our ministry is to create beautiful uh, gift baskets for birth mamas. And I'm talking about those that are might be teenagers and love to get their nails done and love zebra print. And sometimes those that might be a little bit older than that, maybe have a few children. And so we ask the birth mom caseworkers, hey, give us a little profile, a little information about these mamas that we may never meet. And we create a basket that I like to say is as unique as they are. And we pass those along and allow the caseworkers to let that be something that shows that these birth mamas are cherished and loved. When it comes to adoption, a lot of people don't understand too that there are two kinds of adoption, I guess. There's an open adoption and closed adoption. Of course, there's wide latitude in what is an open adoption. But most adoptions today are open adoptions where mm-hmm. the birth parent or parents have a connection to the adoptee and to the adoptive family. And that's all kind of determined, you know, between the birth parents and the adoptive family. But we love through Sally's Lambs and just what we do regularly through the Radiance Foundation. We love to celebrate adoption right. by cherishing birth moms. As an adoptee myself who has never met my own birth mom, I just pray one day that I that I'm able to. I know how adoption is a lifelong journey. It's not easy. No. I mean, most of life isn't. I, I just love when people always talk about adoption. It's uh, adoption's so hard. You don't know what the child's going to go through. I'm sorry. Do you know what your biological <laughs> child is going to go through? It just life is hard. It is, and a lot of times life we is can hard. do hard things. Absolutely, we but can we do hard things. But we never want birth moms or birth dads, for that matter, to be forgotten. By the way. Bethany will be one of the speakers at an upcoming adoption conference called Adoption Speaks. Mm -hmm. It's in November, on November 7th. It's led by our friend Kelly Jett, Mm -hmm. who is a birth mom herself, who founded a really awesome organization focused on birth moms. It's called talkaboutadoption.org. That's talkaboutadoption.org. I love it. Yes, the whole event will be so powerful. I can't wait. Adoption Speaks, it's called. And the website is simply adoptionspeaks.org to register for the event. And I absolutely love the tagline. It says, it's time for adoption to have a voice. I like that. I like that too. (laughs) And that's, that's our heart here at the Radiance Foundation, that we would be a voice that speaks out about the positive, courageous parenting decision 
I didn't say easy and perfect, but I said the positive, courageous parenting decision of placing your children for adoption. And today we're giving a voice to a birth mama who is very special to us. She has been my friend for a number of years. She is a friend of the Radiance Foundation, and she has volunteered at many of our uh, many of our events, has been a spokesperson for the Radiance Foundation, is now our board member, and really is a loyal friend and a loyal person and someone that I'm just so excited to have on our podcast today. Kristen DePola. Yes. Now we have this short clip. It's a powerful clip of Kristen speaking at the 2019 Students for Life conference at our Adoption is a Loving Option workshop. That was, that was, it was packed out. I mean, it literally was packed wall to wall. Even the, the aisles were packed with people. It was, it was, great. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But this video clip, it really reinforces Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help mm-hmm. in times of trouble. You know, every time I see this video clip, you're going to hear the audio, but there's a video clip on our website at radiance.life slash birthmom. Every time I watch it, it, it moves me. I was in an even unhealthier relationship that was very toxic and very abusive. And I remember finding out that I was pregnant and having a moment where my the birth father was abusing me and I remember thinking god I just like I can't I can't do this I can't have a child in this environment and within days the lord miraculously rescued me out of the situation and having my son was not only an answer to prayer for me in that moment but he was an answer to prayer for my adoptive family. And in that, I was also an answer to prayer for my adoptive family. So my passion for adoption is because it saved my life and it's an answer to prayer. Welcome back Hi. everybody. We are so happy to have our Kristen DePola with us today. And as we've mentioned and we set up for you, you guys already know, she's not just one of our heart friends. She's a board member. She's a birth mom. She is such an amazing person. And we're just so grateful to have her with us today for the Life Has Purpose podcast. Welcome, Kristen DePola. You're a joy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So we've been talking about moms today in light of the fact that we're coming up on Mother's Day. And so we're just loving the fact that we have your perspective it is a much needed perspective and even just listening to that clip ryan and i are over here crying every time we listen to that clip because (laughs) your story your message it's so powerful and we want all of our listeners to feel even just an ounce of what we feel because it's enough to just put hope in our hearts so let's talk with you a little bit about your birth mom journey Sure. What would you say were the circumstances surrounding your unplanned pregnancy? Well, I had, uh, when I was a teenager, I had lost my dad to cancer when I was 13. And it kind of sent me into a tailspin of multiple years of (laughs) rebellion and not acting quite Christ-like, if you will. (laughs) And I ended up getting in a very toxic and abusive relationship, which ultimately resulted in the unplanned pregnancy and then had to start making some difficult decisions from there. It brings true with so many people because we walk through things in life that are difficult and they change us and we respond. And I know how much you loved your daddy. He was precious. And I know that a 
you are the person you are because when he was here on earth, he poured into you. And it's, um, it's, it's always interesting to see, though, how when we deal with harder situations that certain things always come out of that. So coming out of that with an unplanned pregnancy, coming out of that season and walking through what you did, you then had a really difficult decision in front of you. Like, hey, this is unplanned. I, I'm really feeling like I'm doing this on my own. Like you said, it's toxic relationship with the birth father. So, Kristen, how did you come to the decision of adoption? I mean, was it through a pregnancy resource center? Was it through church? Was it past experience with friends or family? How did that even come into your mind? When I first found out that I was pregnant, it was a radical moment of realizing that the Lord was rescuing me. However, at the same time, I didn't feel like I was equipped to even have the child. So I grew up in a Christian home. I knew in my soul I didn't believe in abortion, but I also didn't feel like I was emotionally or mentally stable enough to even have the child. So I was like, you know, Lord, can you just maybe take it back? And when that didn't happen and I knew that abortion wasn't going to be part of my plan, uh, I sought guidance from my mom. Uh, it was very difficult because we were not on a good, at a good place in our relationship at the time. And she said, well, you know, we can go to a center and just check out our options. So we ended up going to a local CHIME center, which, you know, is a branch of the a crisis pregnancy center. And met with a counselor and they laid out some options of whether I chose to parent or whether I chose to place. And ultimately they connected me with my adoption agency that I went through. And how did they make you feel? I mean, as someone going in there, it's not like this is an everyday occurrence or anything. So you're going into the Kime Center, this pregnancy resource center. How did they make you feel? in this whole process? I mean, it must have been terrifying first and foremost just to even be in that, that situation. How do they make you feel? Yeah, it was terrifying. I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, I'd never been pregnant before. I had never had to deal with anything like this before. And I wasn't incredibly young. I was 19 when I was pregnant, but even still, I was very <laughs> not ready to parent at the time. And I don't remember the woman's name, but I just remember her countenance. There was no judgment. There was nothing but kindness and understanding, and I felt like she really wanted to protect me and protect my decision. They didn't give me the option of abortion at the center, which is great because that's not where they were coming from, but I just felt supported. And even in the midst of feeling completely unstable in my own life, I felt that they were offering me an opportunity to walk down a place of stability and that they were supporting me in whatever decision I chose to make. It's really powerful. We love that you're on the board of the Radiance Foundation, and so we know where your heart is on these issues. And I know that we've come to these places in our heart and our decisions about how we feel about abortion and adoption and the role of the Pregnancy Resource Center because of the things that we've walked through. So it really is beautiful to hear your firsthand experience and feeling the sense of the Pregnancy Resource Center was a stabilizing factor in this decision. So what did they do? Did they then refer you? Yes, they gave me some options for different adoption agencies. And we went, my mom and I went and visited a couple, and then I landed on the one that I chose. Other than your mom, 
were there friends or anyone from from church, if that was even the case then? Who else was on this journey with you? How did how did they respond to this situation? And I think that question, in light of the fact that I think when you're in these abusive type relationships, there is always a sense of isolation that just ends up happening. So, I mean, thank you, God, that you had your mom. Yeah, but was yeah, there any, was there anybody else that was in your life at that time that spoke into this? Truthfully, I had cut off everyone in my life other than my ex at the time. And just by, you know, association, my mother, because she was my mother. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, I didn't really have a whole lot of friends that were on the journey with me. I had one friend from high school that carried over that she was probably the only one that I walked through the whole pregnancy with. And then my mother and my stepfather were there. Uh, and my mother, during the season that I was with this man and in this toxic relationship, I was, you know, what the church folk will call the prodigal child. And so there was a team of extended family and my mom's close friends and mothers and fathers in the church that had been interceding for me for multiple years while I was in this relationship and in this rebellion. So those people were not directly part of my journey, but secondhand, they were there to support me, never judged me, were covering me in prayer every second of the day, covering my child in prayer every second of the day as we went through this process. So really, my mom was the one that I leaned on the most. Beyond that, it was her arsenal of friends that were our prayer warriors that covered us during the process. So good. Kristen, the adoption process is such a strange and foreign thing to so many people. How did you, as, as the birth mom, how did you even get to choose the family that would adopt your child? So my son is biracial. So when I went into the adoption agency and met with the counselor at the beginning, she mentioned that there was criteria, which I was completely unaware of anything, but she said that there was criteria in place specifically for certain families who were approved for a different racial child, not just like, you know, matching up races, if you will. Uh, so there were only two families that had already had fully complete and approved home studies that were available for me to review their, it, it was kind of like a photo album with letters right, like in their the back. Profiles, the birth right. Yeah, their profile. Mm -hmm. So I, there was only two families and one in particular had a sort of like remember us card in the back of the photo album and so I remember taking that with me and just thinking okay whatever I, I don't know these people from Adam but I'll just take this card since I was here completely unrelated scenario my vehicle had an issue and had to get fixed and I got a referral from a referral and my stepdad's friend and went to this auto shop and the receptionist there at the time she was like mid 30s or 40s and my mom and I walk in and she's like oh aren't you the cutest little pregnant thing you know aren't you excited to be a grandma and my mom says well actually that's not where we're going with this we're in the process of looking for an adoptive family and she's like oh my gosh I have really good friends that are looking to adopt and wouldn't you know she pulls out the same card of the same people and I Stop almost I, I almost lost my mind I was like oh this is weird <laughs> Poor God. So I, it, it, was, it was so God. And so I was like, well, and so I called my adoption counselor at the time and I was said, Cheryl, I had something weird happen. 
Confirmation. Yeah. So that actually is probably the defining factor that made me, I mean, obviously meeting them, but that was the giant leap into, okay, this is a family that I'm going to pursue. I mean, you living in a coastal city (laughs) with Mm -hmm. tons and tons of people, happen to have a car breakdown, happen to run into the receptionist who happened to be working at that time, who happened to know the prospective adoptive family. Only God cares Mm -hmm. so much about these every little detail. It's precious. Life has purpose. Hi, I'm Aliyah Bomberger, and you're listening to Life Has Purpose with my mom and dad. Life is never picture perfect. Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows our true humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions. You are listening to the Life is Purpose podcast with Ryan and Bethany Bomberger. And we're coming back to a very special interview with a very special person, Kristen DePola. She's a birth mother who turned the unplanned into a loving plan. How was the journey transitioning? You gave birth and it was time then to um, really physically your body is responding to having given birth and now mm-hmm. it's time to... This, the adoption becomes tangible. It's time to place this child with um, other parents to raise. How, do, how mm-hmm. do you remember that? For my particular situation, I remember, so my birth, my adoptive mom, she tried for nine and a half years to have children and never could. She miscarried several times. They tried to foster adopt and it, things fell through and, you know, the birth mothers came back in those situations. So I, once I chose them, I chose them in February and ended up giving birth in June. But I made the decision that when I chose them, I wanted my adoptive mom to feel as much as possible like this was also her pregnancy if she had to experience it. So I gave her the ultrasound pictures and she came to a doctor appointment with me because I wanted her to be as bonded as possible because I felt like that was honoring to her as soon to be his mother. After transitioning physically, after giving birth, I mean, they were in the hospital with me. I gave birth in the evening and they were there the whole next day with us the whole time seeing him and spending time with him and, and spending time with me. And again, in my particular situation, it was very toxic with the birth father. So we had some safety issues arise at the hospital. Mm. So I knew my immediate instinct was I have to get this kid out of this place. He has to get away from me. He has to go and be with them. And so they, for me, were a symbol of protection right from the beginning because they were the first ones I thought of. I was like, they, ha- they just have to take him. He needs to get out of here. And along the journey physically it was difficult because you're 
what I didn't know because I had never experienced a pregnancy was before before was how your body responds to things. So that in and of itself biologically was uh, quite a transition as well as emotionally. But my mother was incredible beside me the whole time. And for the very first month, the adoptive family was very intentional about checking in on me. That was great. They, they contacted me regularly just to make sure that I was okay. And even up to the point where we went to court to sign off the papers, there were constant reminders of what my life could have been with my ex versus what the Lord was offering with the adoption. It was confirmation after confirmation that it was the adoption was the right choice for my son. Wow. You are... I don't know. This testimony is so powerful. I'm so choked up over here. Just such a journey. I mean, when we talk about being birth mom strong, you mm. you exemplify that. And it's not like birth moms are looking for some sort of reward or recognition. It's not that at all. But for people to understand in the adoption triad, the birth mom is so often forgotten. There are two types of adoption people aren't really aware of. There's a closed adoption where there is mm-hmm. no connection between the birth mom and the parents and then there's an open adoption and then that open adoption is open to all kinds of interpretation um, it's usually determined between the adoptive family and the birth mom so which type of adoption was yours you know that is a loaded question so legally it is an open adoption however in practicality it has seemingly been a closed adoption it was open and we were going to decide at some point in the future what contact looked like. So we kind of left it open-ended. And again, for like the first eight or nine months, they checked in on me. They sent me cards. They sent me pictures. I wouldn't really reach out to them because I didn't know what I wanted. And eventually I came to the place. I never wanted them to feel like this was ever, this was a decision that was ever in jeopardy. So I made sure that the first year was done. The papers were signed. Um, and about a year and a half later, I reached out, come to find out my adoptive mom also ended up getting pregnant. So she have, they also have a biological son and the boys are less than nine months apart. (laughs) So they essentially have twins, but not really twins. So, you know, she was, she was really afraid to tell me because she thought that it would change my decision. But I said, you know, what a gift if you're going to have an adoptive child. Right. What a gift from the Lord to be able to have the transition, and it's a fulfillment of your heart. And you know, so I reached out to them after a year and a half of placing and said, "Hey, I would love for us to get together. I don't know what I what I want or how I'm going to feel. I'd love for us to get together. I'd like to meet both boys because now they have a child uh, and see what that looks like." And it was about two months until I got a response. I sent them a letter. And so it was two months until I got a response. And they ultimately came back and said uh, that they appreciated my perspective, but they did not think that it would be wise to move forward to have any kind of contact, at least in that regard. So... The door was basically closed, and it was a little shocking to me because that's not what we initially agreed to, and it was a little shocking even to my adoption counselor because she's like, that's not what I saw going forward at all. And I can can truthfully say that at the time, I mean, I couldn't argue because I 
I couldn't argue they were his parents. And now looking back, it's almost 16 years later, I look back and I say that this is probably the only thing in my entire life that I have fully surrendered 100% to the Lord. I will never question that they were the right parents for him because I know that they were. I'll never question that God brought them into my son's life because I know that he did. And ultimately, in the hierarchy of being a parent, in my mind, my son is God's first, theirs second, and mine third. And that's the way it has to be. So if I had to let them make that decision, that's theirs to make. So long story short, technically, I guess it's closed. <laughs> How tremendous that in all of this, you have found peace. And mm -hmm. whether we choose to parent or choose to place, Ultimately, for me, that's such an indicator of obedience and surrender and how precious that, like you're saying, 16 years later, you can say that even with the things that have come up, that you've found peace and, yes. mm -hmm. and, and, and to allow the identity of a birth mom and the releasing of that. It's not that we pretend it never happened. It's not that we pretend that you never placed, that there isn't a child out there that you gave birth to, but to find peace in all of the issues that have surrounded it is powerful. Right. Some people accuse even me or the Radiance Foundation of making adoption seem like it's just a journey of beauty and it's all roses and rainbows. And I'm like, no, there's... It's a lifelong journey. There are so many people who say, well, I could never do that. I could never, and they use the words, give up my child. They don't understand mm -hmm. giving your child uh, as a gift. And it's also for you, it was giving you something to, to get out of that circumstance. But what would you mm -hmm. say to people who are like, I could never do that? I, you know, they would literally rather choose abortion then choose adoption. And even though there is anguish and there is pain, but there is also the, the joy in knowing for you, you made that right decision. What do you say to people who are like, I could never, I could never do that. I'd rather choose an abortion. I mean, that was the boat I was in for a small period of time. I, I had no concept that I could actually continue a pregnancy, see this life outside of myself, and then place him in somebody else's hands. I actually, during my pregnancy, I never went inside of a Planned Parenthood, but I went to the Planned Parenthood that's local here in our area. And I remember sitting in the parking lot across the street and I just was staring at the doors and I was like, God, I, I was far from the Lord at the time, but I also grew up in church, so I was also close. <laughs> um, so I was just like, I was praying and trying to come back to the Lord and I said, God, I don't know how to do this. And I just, even from across the street parking lot, I felt the darkness on the exterior of the world staring at those doors, but I felt the light on the inside of myself because truthfully getting pregnant is what saved my life. And if I'm worth saving, why isn't the child inside of me worth saving? So I just, for anyone who is in the same situation, I think the journey of learning how to be a birth mom is exponentially more fruitful and life-giving than learning how to recover from an abortion. <laughs> Don't mind us over here crying. Don't mind <laughs>
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I know you can't see us, but that's probably a good thing. I can't even get a word out right now. Just uh, g- give me a second. I'm, I'm okay. myself together. <laughs> that is so powerful. That is what truly reveals the difference between sacrifice and self-sacrifice. The way that you were able to look at your situation and the fact that you were worth saving and redeeming. And what we think is, is an impossibility is that very thing that helps bring, our, bring about our transformation. I love it. I love the, the tangible proof <laughs> that God makes triumph rise from tragedy all the time. Absolutely, yeah. Kristen, you're a joy, and you have definitely brought hope into so many lives. And now it's, it's, it's actually an honor to share the hope that you pour into our lives and into the Radiance Foundation to share that with everybody who's listening. We know that, that that is part of your journey. It's a chapter in your life. There are so many other chapters and so many other things that define you as a person, as a human, as a friend. Yet this is um, just a chapter that not only redefined a lot of the things in your life, but is just being used to help others redefine themselves so that they understand better how God created them and what God placed in them. And so thank you so much for being with us. It really was a joy. And listeners, I just encourage you to take this moment and to pray for birth moms across the nation Mm -hmm. and as pro-lifers it's part of what we've been called to do and to stand listen if we're going to be whistleblowers about abortion and call for the end of abortion make it unthinkable in our lifetime then we need to expand our hearts to understand that adoption is a courageous option and that every battle for those souls of the babies in the wombs are warfare. And so praying for birth moms is just another way that we can help support life. Kristen, thank you so much. We love you, girl. Thank you. I love you guys. Love you. Life has purpose. Hi, I'm Akai, and this is the Life Has Purpose podcast with Ryan and Bethany Bomberger, who are a dun-dun-dun, my parents. Every week, Ryan's articles appear on various news outlets. Each week, we'll feature one of his latest commentaries. It's time for some fearless factivism. Steve Jobs changed the world. Adoption changed his. The news hit me in the gut. I couldn't believe I was seeing those few numbers communicating his passing beneath this photo, 1955-2011. Steve Jobs has literally changed the world. I'm typing this on my Mac. We'll check my emails and Twitter status on my iPad and we'll stay in touch with everyone I love through my iPhone. As a creative professional, his visionary work has helped my own visions become reality. But his vision, his destiny, and his ability to affect people globally may never have happened. Steve Jobs was adopted as a baby and loved by his parents, Clara and Paul Jobs. The baby they took into their hearts and home had a purpose in life that would be unleashed by the powerful act of adoption. He began today's revolutionary Apple company and has departed this world with a professional legacy that is awe-inspiring. The partially bitten apple represents the temptation that millions of us have been unable to avoid, waiting in day-long lines for shiny objects that prove to us 
science fiction could be made reality by a creative genius. Jobs' minimalistic approach delivered a multitude of near-perfect near perfect, electronic devices, from amber screens to full-color high-definition. Visually, we've been changed by the adoption of Apple's technology. In his biography, Steve Jobs visited his birth mom and felt grateful for the opportunity to be adopted and loved. In the biography, he says, quote, I wanted to meet my biological mother mostly to see if she was okay and to thank her because I'm glad I didn't end up as an abortion, end quote. Well, the world is glad too. It's amazing to me how foreign a concept adoption is to many Christians. Adoption is the essence of salvation. There is no Christianity without adoption in the spiritual sense. Yet in the physical sense, it is rarely considered as an option. For those who are so passionately pro-life, it is often the challenge thrown before us in our opposition to abortion, and rightfully so. We have an opportunity to unleash purpose in a child waiting to be loved. I was one of those children, and so was Steve Jobs. The beauty of possibility is that we can all play a role in helping to foster and encourage it. Who knows what my children, both adopted and biological, will become? All I know is that loving them unconditionally will allow their God-given purpose to flourish. The nation's largest abortion chain, Planned Parenthood, is the antithesis to this purpose. Planned Parenthood celebrates their founder who believed that we are, quote, paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever-increasing, unceasingly spawning class of human beings who never should have been born at all, end quote. Contrary to Margaret Sanger's warped mentality that children are, quote, marked when they're born as diseased delinquents and felons, end quote, none of us know the beautiful potential that every life possesses. We celebrate human triumph over the seemingly insurmountable all the time. There are so many well-known adopted individuals who have impacted many of our lives in one way or another. Charles Dickens, George Washington Carver, Nat King Cole, Babe Ruth, Dave Thomas, Bo Diddley, Dan O'Brien, Faith Hill, and these are just to name a few. Steve Jobs is among this list of beautiful possibilities. But these individuals don't have worth because of their perceived success. Every human life has equal and irrevocable worth simply because he or she exists. Jobs' life proves that adoption is a loving act that transforms not only the life of the child, but the entire family. Sometimes it even changes the world. I'm Ryan Bomberger, and you're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast. You can find this commentary at radiance.life slash Steve Jobs, or read many more op-eds at radiance.life slash news. I love transformation. Me too. Psalm 18.6 says, but in my distress... I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed out to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. No matter what the issue or struggle you're facing, you can be stronger than your circumstances. You can cry out to God. And guess what? He's going to hear you because he inclines his ear to you. Look, Bethany and I aren't just saying these verses as if they are separate from us. We've lived mm -hmm. through these verses We've been transformed. I'm just a firm believer in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, we, we know these 
words as deep personal truth. We've been transformed by the strength and hope that only Christ brings. And we continue to be transformed by these words. God loves to do that. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast. We love that you've joined us. This podcast is made possible through your tax-deductible support of the Radiance Foundation at www.radiance.life. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has purpose. purpose.